Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and I learn how to be an overcomer. That's what the Lord intended for us to be. That's what He created us. And um, the difference is whether you yield to the outer man the flesh and the weaknesses of the flesh, or whether you let your spirit get built up and you let the Holy Spirit on the inside of you direct you and help you. You can live a, a spiritual, victorious, overcoming life, or you can lead a carnal flesh failure life. Uh, which one do you pick today? <laughs> well, the scripture said, this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith. Faith is not of the flesh. Faith is of the inner man, for with the heart man believes. And faith is not this unknowable thing that some suppose. Uh, there are very clear principles in the Word of God about how to get faith, how faith can become stronger, and how faith can become very strong. And does that, why do I need faith, Brother Keith? Well, Everything you deal with in life takes strength and confidence to deal with or to overcome. That's another word for faith. Uh, faith is the confidence uh, of things hoped for and, and is the conviction and uh, being sure of things not seen. So uh, confidence is another word for faith. Just getting up and going to work in the morning, going to school, um, dealing with the uh, invariably, you know, issues that come up. Are you just going to faint and quit and give up? Are you not even going to try? That'd be the evidence of a weak spirit, of little or no faith. But when you face even a substantial obstacle, and something rises up on the inside of you and you say, well, with God's help, I can deal with this. We can overcome this. We can get through this. We can beat this. That's faith. That's what that is. And we're not just talking about faith, just faith in ourselves or faith in the universe. We're talking about faith in God. God, the Father, who sent His Son, Jesus. So, um, the principles, like I said, are laid out in the Word, which is why we have faith school, why we'll take passages and camp on them, because it feeds your spirit. It, it ministers and nourishes up your faith. So uh, get your Bible, get something to make a note with, come into the classroom with us, and let's release for faith for uh, revelation and light and answers today. Father, we thank you so much. You are the best. You're the greatest of all, and we thank you that you love us, you care about us, you've chosen us, and as long as we hold to you, you keep us, and no evil thing can take us out of your hand. And so we 
we present ourselves to you, we open ourselves up to you, and we say, Lord, teach us, instruct us, show us, help us, correct us, whatever we need, so that we may rise up to be able to fellowship with you and receive all you have for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Would you look please in the uh, gospel account of Mark in our great textbook, the Bible. For weeks now, we have been on a series that we're calling Faith for Healing. The way faith comes, according to Romans 10, 17, it comes by hearing and hearing the anointed word. But faith must be developed in every area. Faith for healing comes from hearing about healing, what God said about it. Well, there are uh, 20-some individual cases of healing that are recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We've already covered uh, about half of them. We saw the healing of the leper, healing of Peter's mother-in-law, healing of the paralyzed man, healing of the nobleman's son, healing of the man with the withered hand, healing of the centurion's servant, healing of Jairus' daughter, healing of the woman with the issue of blood, healing of the two blind men, and healing of the Syrophoenician's daughter. So that's the first 10 of the 20. Now, if you haven't been with us, this is your first time and you didn't hear all these, this is hours of meditation and, and feeding on something that will give you faith for healing. Don't miss out on half of these cases. Go, go online, uh, faithschool.org, and um, you can watch all of these uh, are part of them. When at your convenience, they're only, you know, they're less than 30-minute segments each, and there's no cost, no charge for you to do it. We have a saying around the church about that, uh, uh, no charge means no excuse, <laughs> right, for, for not getting it. You can't say you couldn't afford it. So it's, it's available to you. We encourage you to take advantage of that. But let's continue today in Mark 7 on this 11th individual case, which is the healing of the deaf man with the speech impediment. In uh, Mark 7 and verse 31. Mark 7, 31 says again, uh, departing from the coast of Tyre and Zidon, he, Jesus, came into the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coasts of Decapolis. Now, we spent uh, last week talking about the significance of the region. Uh, Decapolis literally means ten cities. We might say ten towns or ten cities. And uh, don't, you know, those of you that are real studious on some of these things. No need to, to write me about uh, was this city and this place or located here or was this really one of them. Uh, I'm not endeavoring to establish that. I'm not an archaeologist. The key is the region and the environmental, uh, environmental the, uh, the spiritual environment of the region. That's what's important. And even, you know, people who study these things, they disagree about because some of these cities are no longer there and who, people are, argue about where they used to be. I, I'm not endeavoring to establish that. But why would the Lord tell us about the region? What's the significance? And we see that when they brought, his friends or his acquaintances brought 
this man that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseeched Jesus to put his hand on him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears and spit and touched his tongue. But before he started ministering to him, he took him away from the crowd that was there. And if you skip over to the eighth chapter of, of Mark, which is the, the, we believe, the next account that we're going to look at, verse 22 says, he comes to Bethsaida. Why do we need to know where he was? Uh, nothing in the Bible is superfluous, unnecessary. There's a reason for it. And if it looks unnecessary to you, it's just because there's something you don't know. <laughs> right? Because when you get more understanding, you'll, you'll say, well, no wonder they put that there because that connects with this, that connects with that. It's all connected. They bring a blind man to him and besought him to touch him. This is Mark 8, 23. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Now, with the, uh, the deaf man, he led him away from the group, away from the crowd, away from the multitude. With this man at Bethsaida, he led him all the way out of town. I mean, I don't know how long it took to do that, but it's, he didn't walk just half a block. I mean, they got out of town before he ministered to him. Now, why would, why would you do that? Well, we saw this, if you just back up uh, uh, to the sixth chapter of Mark, we saw this had happened in Jesus' own hometown. The scripture said 6-1, that Jesus came into his own country. And on the Sabbath day, he, he stood up and began to teach. And many hearing him were astonished and said, From whence has this man these things? What wisdom is given to him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. We studied last week about the scripture that said, Jesus said, uh, Blessed is he who's not offended at me. Well, specifically speaking, what was their offense? What is an offense? Um, well, there's different Greek words that's translated this, but it basically means something that's um, distasteful to you, is something you don't like, is something that, has, that you stumble over, um, and... Obviously, that's the case here. They didn't like what he was saying. And they didn't like the, that he was saying that he's anointed. And they're, they're saying, where did he get all of this? And, and, uh, and why can he do all of this? We know his people. We, we know where he comes from. Well, everybody comes from somewhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, now, we laugh, but... People get that way. They're like, well, yeah, but I know him, you know. And my brother used to work with his, uh, his sister down at the, at the Walmart, you know. Well, yeah, but everybody was born into the world and, and learned to walk, and, right? Everybody came from somewhere, and if they are human vessels like us, they made mistakes. Well, Jesus didn't sin, uh, and, and so nobody around could say, you know, yeah, he was a wild child. He was a, he was a bad boy. No, he wasn't. He, he was not. And yet they still found fault with him because people get these 
these uh, fantasy ideas in their head about the kind of person God would use or about a real miracle ministry. They, they get these fictitious notions that are not rooted in reality. And so anybody that's the least bit like them and natural, oh, well, they couldn't be used like that. I know them. Well, who are you going to find somebody that nobody knows? Nobody knows anything about. Did they even come from earth? You know, it, no, no. God uses people like you, like me, not people that have never made a mistake. But, you know, he, he works with what he's got to work with. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel for him. I mean, <laughs> right? Sometimes you almost want to pray for God. Huh? But, but there's nobody else to pray to. <laughs> no, he, he knows how to handle it. Be, but he does. He has to work with what he has to pick from. And the thing is, he sees us much more valuable and capable than we see ourselves. Because he knows what he can do through us. Right? He knows, and that's one of the big things that you have to change in order to be used of God. You've got to quit looking at yourself and start looking at him and what he could do through you instead of your natural limitations. Uh, you know, when God called Moses at the burning bush, uh, you know, uh, and he said, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. And Moses tried to talk him out of it. Moses said, you know, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He said, you know, I'm a wanted man over there. <laughs> and they got posters of me at the, at the post office, pictures of me at the post office. And, and, um, and then he, he tried to say, you know, I, I can't talk. I, I, I got this issue. Uh, well, what does he think the Lord is going to say? You know, I didn't think about that. <laughs> but you're right. I, I may need to pick somebody. Are you kidding? God, God knows more about your shortcomings than you have figured out yet. And if he still wants to use you for something, what do you say? Thank you. <laughs> right? Thank you. Yes, sir. You know I'm going to need a lot of help. Yeah, he already knew that. He already knew that. And so when Moses is trying to uh, tell him the reasons why he's a bad choice to, to sin, the scripture said the Lord became angry with him. Did you hear that? Not, not, you know, he didn't look at him and go, that's why I like you. You're so humble, you know. <laughs> no, that's not how it is. Because it's acting like the Lord didn't know what he was doing when he selected him. Act, acting like the Lord doesn't know all the issues and all the weaknesses and all that. Certainly he does. But he knows what he can do through a vessel. Oh, come on. Can you say Amen. Would you make yourself class? I'm talking to the big class everywhere. Would you make yourself available to the Lord? Would you say, here am I? Use me, Lord. Don't tell him all your weaknesses and what you can't do. Quote what the scripture says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Go ahead and say it out loud. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't say you can't 
and start talking about reasons why you can't. Say you can't. Quit looking at yourself and look at him. Look how big he is. Look at what he can do. Hallelujah. And with him, anything's possible. With him, you can do it. Hallelujah. Say it out loud again. With him, I can do it. Hallelujah. With his help, whew. Don't, don't underestimate what he can do. Well, it went on to say that they were offended at him. And Jesus said, a prophet's not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And here's the thing. Verse 5. Make sure you're, you get this, everybody. Verse 5. Look at it with your eyes. He could there do no mighty work. Now, a lot of folks... It may have an issue with that. But remember, this is not what I said. This is what the Bible said. Is it true that people not respecting him and not believing in the ministry affected what he could minister in their area? The answer is yes. Yes. Uh, some have implied that Jesus is functioning as God. And therefore, he can do whatever he wants, anytime he wants, wherever he goes. That's not what the scripture reveals. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that reveals that he was ministering as a man. Didn't stop being God. He's the word made flesh. But he emptied himself, the scripture said, and became like other men. And as such, uh, if people did not believe in what he was saying, and if they didn't respect and receive the ministry, then they didn't see the manifestation of that anointing and gifts. It was severely restricted and limited in his own hometown. Now, you know, nobody wants to look bad in their own hometown, right? Nobody wants to not get good results in their own hometown, and yet, that's what happened here. And we need to remember that uh, the servant is not above his or her master. If Jesus was affected by these things, you can know that you or I are going to be affected by these things. And so we need to understand, what, what am I talking about? Why did Jesus take one of these guys all the way out of town before he would minister to him? Well, two chapters back in this record, we see he was severely limited in his own hometown what he could minister because of people not honoring, not respecting, not receiving the minister or the message or the anointing. It matters a great deal whether there's an environment of unbelief and disrespect or whether there's an environment of faith. I've been in services before. And how many think in our churches and in our services, it should be a strong environment of faith, right? Not unbelief, faith. And I've been in, in services where you could just tell faith had risen, uh, you know, confidence in God's power to, to save and heal and deliver and all these things. And it just becomes so easy in that environment. Uh, people start receiving healing. It's kind of like popcorn popping. You know, uh, I mean, understand, uh, you know, I know most of you 
have a microwave and, and, and you put a bag of popcorn in there before. Uh, you used to do it differently, you know. But uh, uh, you know what happens? You, you put that in there and you press the button and you're putting the heat to it and nothing. Right? Nothing. And then you still keep putting the heat to it and nothing. And nothing. And if you didn't know what was going on, you'd say, ah, oh, this don't work. And you'd pull it out of there and try to do something else with it. It's working. You just got to give it some time. Right? It's working. And then so, you know, a minute passes or whatever or two, depending on you, how powerful your microwave is. And, and all at once you'll hear a pop. Pop, pop. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> pop, 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 pop. And oh man, they really start lots of pops. But there was a time when uh, the environment, oh, come, come on, can you see this? Was getting right. Right? Uh, and the heat was coming up. Uh, and the pressure was coming up. Is that right? But you couldn't tell it because the kernels were still just kernels, just sitting in the bag. No change. No change. But then when one of them popped, that indicated the environment's right for everybody to pop. Is that right? <laughs> Is that right? Man, the environment's right. Let's get to popping going. Every, everybody pop. Everybody in the whole bag. Pop everywhere. Well, that's a, a similar principle. I've seen it. I've experienced it to where that, you know, there's powerful teaching and preaching and uh, an anointing is strong. There's powerful praise and worship and the anointing is strong. And, and you can tell uh, that uh, something's building here. Something's, something's building here. And, and then uh, you, you'll hear somebody, hallelujah, I've been healed. Hallelujah. That's a pop. <laughs> can you see that? And when one can pop, you can have the whole bag pop if people will respond and receive. Well, in the opposite, on the opposite end of that, there are places they don't like churches. They don't like preachers. They especially don't like preachers like me. <laughs> especially those excited ones. <laughs> they keep talking about Jesus <laughs> and miracles and oh, they just think they're nuts and they and for some reason they don't just mildly dislike them they really really despise them now see that's something beyond natural because they don't even know us right never met us don't know anything about us and yet they hate us that's the enemy can you see that? That's the enemy. But when you get a bunch of people like that and people in leadership, mayors and council people and congressmen and senators and whatever that are like that, you can get a cloud, a hindering cloud of unbelief over the whole town, over the whole area. Now, that doesn't mean that nothing can happen. Even when these people are so disrespecting Jesus, he still got a few people healed. Right? A few. But no mighty works. No blind eyes open. No deaf ears like what we're talking about here. This, this blind man in this eighth chapter, this is uh, a significant thing that needs to happen in this man's life. And so he just grabs him by the hand and says, we're going to get out of here. Right? Basically, if we're going to see any change, any, we're going to get a miracle. We've got to get out of this unbelief. So he took him all the way out. And you know, 
that happens in life, in your course, your path uh, of God's will for your life, there are times the Lord will deal with you to leave a place and go to another place. Uh, churches matter. Where you go to church and what you feed on and what you see and what you hear. And in a good church, there should be people that you make friends with and you develop relations with. And so you are with people of like faith. Like faith. People that's not trying to talk you out of believing, right? Trying to tell you it's all passed away and it's not for you and you just never know what God's going to do or God may be putting this disease on you to teach you something. That's faith destroying. Hmm? Might not be God's will for you. That's faith destroying, not faith building. And so there are times that you, you don't need to argue with the Lord. Uh, the Lord will deal with you. Leave this place. Didn't he tell that to Abraham? Didn't he say that? Leave this. even told him, leave your family. Leave this place and go to a place I'm going to show you. Well, he cared about his home country and his family just like you did yours. But if that's all you know, that's all you know. And I know the Lord did that with myself and did that with Phyllis and I, led us to leave an area we knew and go to an area that was a faith-strong, concentrated thing. And we did not know how blind we were to the things of God until after several months and a year or two or three, getting out from under that environment and being in that faith-filled environment after... Uh, just a year or two, we visited with other people uh, back home and other places, and they'd say, man, you've changed. And, we're, <laughs> and at first we thought, they've changed. <laughs> but no, they hadn't changed. We had changed. And it happens gradually over time because of this spiritual environment. Hallelujah. There's a place where you're supposed to be, child of God. There's a place, not just a geographic location, but a spiritual environment, a place where you're supposed to be a church family you're supposed to be a part of, ministries you're supposed to feed from and, and be uh, partnered with and help. Uh, there's a place. So everybody pray it out loud. Say, Father God, Father God I, yield to you, I yield to you, to the Lordship of Jesus. I'm willing, to go I'm willing to go where you send me. Where you send me. I'm willing to stay, I'm willing to stay where, you where you station me. You know, you know where, I where I should be, who I should be joined to. Be joined You've to. already joined me, already joined to, me. To, the to the body parts that have pleased you. Have pleased you. Reveal, it to me. Reveal it to me. Enable me to walk it out and take the next steps. I'm willing by faith in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now that is His will. And you can be sure He heard that prayer. And the big thing is, when He shows you, don't argue with Him. Say, sir, yes, sir. Right, here we go. If it's packing up and going, or if it's settling down and staying, Whichever it is, you want to be where you're supposed to be.
Well, that's all of our time for today. But as you can see, there's a lot more to this passage. Come back tomorrow. Let's get into some more right here at Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702-7390.